0: Hello and welcome to Silicon Valley Bitesize, an update on the tech sector from the Alliance Technology Trust. ATT allows investors to take exposure to quoted technology companies across the globe with the aim of achieving long-term capital growth. Since 2007, the Trust has been managed by our experienced team based in San Francisco. This means they're embedded in Silicon Valley, where many of the world's key technology companies are headquartered. For our latest episode of Bite Size, I'm joined by Walter Price and Mike Seidenberg, fund managers on the Trust, to talk us through the key developments in the technology sector and share their insights. Hi, Walter and Mike. Um, Walter, let's start with you. Um, There's been a change. Of market mood since we last spoke, which has included some pullback for the technology sector. Can you talk about how the different sectors within technology have been affected by this?
1: I think some of the cyclical uh, parts of technology, uh, the value parts of our portfolio, are seeing very strong business. Uh, In some cases, a lot of shortages in semiconductors, for example. And so uh, that's caused people to uh, take up their earnings estimates. very dramatically for that sector and and I think uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, the the high growth sector which did very well last year, uh, uh, people are worried about the effect of interest rates on valuation and so those stocks have pulled back a little bit. So there's been a little bit of a rotation back uh, into the value sector, into the high earnings growth companies uh, that are recovery candidates in uh, 2021.
0: And Mike, has this prompted any changes in the portfolio to meet this kind of changing environment?
2: Yeah, we've adjusted the portfolio, portfolio accordingly. We've we've allocated more dollars towards things like semiconductors and semi, semiconductor equipment, primarily because when we looked at some of the valuations of the higher growth stocks, we just couldn't get the numbers to work anymore. Um, You know, with that said, we still have a number of our secular winners that are in the high growth category. We've just we're just stepping more judiciously in that particular that particular sector.
0: And how confident are you feeling about the economic recovery? I mean, there seems to be a lot of variables such as the success of the vaccine rollout. And assuming that technology uh, that um, recovery continues, are there areas of the technology sector that are likely to benefit more than others?
2: I mean, we're I mean, I think that we're super excited about the recovery. I mean, if you take a look at the U.S. jobs numbers that were posted last Friday, I mean, you know, I mean, th- this is a, a you know, a, a a wound spring getting ready to kind of un- unwound. So I think that, you know, you're going to see people travel again. You're going to see people uh, spend on discretionary things Um and we think technology is a big part or a big enabler of kind of the new way of doing things and whether that means that you know when you go see a basketball game um you know you're able to electronically upload your you know vaccine your you know your your uh, covid vaccine uh, profile and whatnot we we think that technology is a big part of the solution going forward you know, w- without COVID and with, you know, when hopefully not with another COVID, but we're excited about technology. And Walter, anything to add to that?
1: I, th- I think that uh, the
2: recovery is
1: affecting the high growth companies too. It's not as though the high growth companies are uh, necessarily slowing down. I think they're also seeing a tailwind from this move toward digitalization and e commerce and the other trends that. Got accelerated in uh, 2020. They're continuing in 2021, and many of the companies that kind of did some stopgap measures last year, they're they're relooking at their longer term budgets and saying, okay, we need to allocate more to digital transformation. We need to go faster and moving to the cloud, and so there's a tailwind for those companies as well.
2: I'll give you a, a really quick example of just, you know, a, a company where we are a big believer in, but, you know, if you just think about re- retailing, ordering something as simple as a cup of coffee, there's now technologies that enable you to literally do that. You don't need to download an app. You, you go, you go to the website before you go there, you get texted a code, you put in the code. And by the time you get there, it's ready. I mean, I, I just think that, I just think that the, um, The biggest issue with so many retail solutions are the bottlenecks. And I think technology during COVID, they basically solved a lot of these bottleneck issues, which I think is going to persist going forward. I mean, and that's a real win for the consumer, and that's a total win for the company, right? If I can double my throughput at Starbucks, for example, um, you know, that's a huge thing for them. And I mean, the
0: pandemic has clearly been hugely disruptive, but as you say, there are lots of technology themes that, that have kind of been accelerated by um, the changes in the pandemic. A lot of the themes in the portfolio, such as digitization, security, I mean, presumably they're still in place. Are there any themes that you'd highlight that, th- that you think might've changed? Um, Walter, I'll put that slightly thorny question to you.
1: <laughs> well, I think as, as we think about uh, the recovery, um, you know we think about time spent and uh clearly time spent uh when you're confined to your house is going to be on things like video gaming and 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 watching uh you know watching videos and uh, you know perhaps uh you know day trading uh, and some of these trends i think is uh as you move back into more normal life and uh, you know, you want to go on a vacation, you wanna interact with friends, you want to go out to a restaurant. I mean, that's gonna take time away from some of these companies that have had uh you know very strong business I- during COVID. And so I, I think their growth rates are gonna be challenged in in 2021, whereas you know, companies like the travel companies are gonna have, you know, their earnings are down uh or their revenues are down, you know, 50% from the previous peak. And so uh the question is can they get back to the previous peak can they grow faster than the previous peak and what have they done in the interim to make themselves more efficient so that uh the, that incremental revenue when it comes back uh, flows into the bottom line and and so as we think about cyclical companies we're looking for ones that, that not only benefit from the cycle but maybe uh their efficiency's gotten better and their profitability is going to be better and so uh, they go on to new earnings heights not just a recovery of their earnings uh, so that's what we're looking for in uh, the cyclical companies that we own.
0: Okay, thanks, Walter. Um, back to you, Mike. Um, the IPO market uh, continues to look really quite buoyant at the moment. Um, I wonder if you can talk a bit about your decision-making process on IPOs. Um, for example, I know you've talked in the past about struggling to get a meaningful stake by the IPO process, but but tell me how that works in the portfolio.
2: Look, I, at the end of the day, you know, we are investors that have to have a risk reward profile. And what's happened this cycle primarily is the appreciation that normally is afforded to IPO investors. Um, really hasn't been there. So, you know, we do our work, we meet the teams, we do our diligence, and then we just have to find a price that makes sense for our, our investors, coupled with the struggle of getting allocation. And that combination is, is a tricky one, you know, but I mean, as Walter and I and the team go down the road, you know, we're patient investors. You know, we usually, if you know, you'll, inevitably kind of get a price where it makes sense. Um, if I go back historically of my last decade working with the team, I think our, our patience has served us well um, and will continue to do so. So, yeah, I mean, issuance is a a, is a floodgate that opens, you know, uh, and continues to, to flood um, with even more coming. I was speaking with someone who literally said that, you know, I wouldn't believe the number of companies going public, uh, you know, the sell side person, but it, we'll, we'll stick to our knitting and that's what we do. You know, we have a process uh, We're you know, and we will stick with our process and hopefully we can get, you know, find a price there where it makes sense for our investors and the stocks can appreciate accordingly.
0: Now, Walthy, um, you mentioned earlier that you've been upping the semiconductor um uh, waiting in the portfolio, and it, it's certainly been an interesting area over the past year. We've seen shortages affecting pricing, and it's been a key area of um, of tension between the U.S. and China. Um, I wonder if you could talk a bit about how the move to the cloud and other innovations, such as electric cars, are changing the semiconductor sector.
1: I, I think that's one of the reasons that we've chosen the semiconductor as uh, the primary part of our. Cyclical weight is that, uh, you know, I think that the economy is getting more semiconductor intensive. And so, uh, you know, if you look at an electric car, for example, it has six times the semiconductors of a conventional uh, car a few years ago. So uh, there's a steady increase in the dollars of semiconductors versus the dollars of GDP. And you know that's true for a lot of the manufacturing industries as they as they look at building digital twins of their factories and applying AI to their processes, they have to pull a lot more sensor data off, off of their machines and put that in the cloud and build models with it, and that requires a lot more computing and a lot more uh, information flowing uh, into semiconductor memory, for example. So. You know I think that uh, these trends are making the economy more semiconductor intensive meanwhile the semiconductor industry is going through uh, a transition to a more and more concentrated industry because uh, it's getting harder and harder to make leading-edge semiconductors uh, you know a new plant is five to ten billion dollars and most companies don't have five to ten billion dollars to spend on a plant and so they they've, they've uh, you know, they've been very careful and very slow, you might say, in adding capacity. And so that's why there's a capacity shortage. The, the typical buyers of semiconductors have said, oh, you know, the cycle's the cycles uh, slowing down. Therefore, I'm going to liquidate inventory so I don't have to take an inventory loss. And all at once, they're trying to build back inventory and they can't do it. There's not enough capacity out there. And so this uh, shortage is going to take a while to overcome. And Uh, Even after the shortage is overcome, I think you're going to see higher returns uh, necessary for the semiconductor companies to build the necessary capacity for the future of the economy. So I think there's a secular change in that industry that's uh, resulting in higher valuations and higher profitability.
0: Looking at the portfolio, Mike, I see Apple's weighting looks low relative to its history in the trust. Um, Was there any reason for this reduction?
2: so I, I think it's more of a function of when we look at the opportunity set that that that, that is in front of us post recovery post recovery i think it's just has been, become more of a source of funds given how well they did during covid so i don't think it's that there's anything wrong with apple it's just that we see better opportunities elsewhere right now
0: i wonder if we could just finish off by looking at some of the bigger Kind of macro issues in in the sector um at this year's g7 summit um mike there are, there were proposals for a new technology stability board which would be internationally agreed principles for the use of technology um i'm wondering what you think about this you know is it what are its implications for the technology sector is it a good idea
2: yeah i i think that i think what what you're seeing there is You know, we are in such uncharted territory uh, with, you know, very little precedent, um, you know, in our history with respect to how these technologies interact, uh, you know, with one another, with, you know, data traveling between countries, artificial intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that... The companies are basically saying, you know, maybe it makes sense. And in my mind, it does to have a framework. You know, I don't think anyone wants a heavy handed authority. First of all, I think it's almost impossible to execute on. But I think companies are basically saying, give us a framework to operate in so that we can run our business and still kind of, you know, Abide by ab- abide by these, you know, frameworks slash principles. Um, so I think, at a high level, it makes sense. I mean, like most things uh, along these lines, I think the devil is in the details. So I think that's you know TBD with respect to what comes out of it.
0: Okay, Walter, if you got anything to add to that?
1: I think we do need guidelines when it comes to use of data and AI. I, I think that's going to. You know, people have talked about the dangers of AI, and and we've seen the dangers of people's data being uh, accumulated by social media companies to enable targeting. But, uh, you know, it, it's a question of whether people gave permission and whether they know how much data is being accumulated by them. So I think just a better some regulations associated with gathering data and using data are are necessary. And, you know, I think. Trading off privacy and efficiency is something that governments are probably better at doing than companies.
0: Great. And to some extent, the technology sector has been in the forefront of of tensions, of kind of geopolitical uh, tensions in in 2020 and in in fact before that. Um, Do you see any looming geopolitical risks for the year ahead? Uh, Walter, I'll put that one to you
1: i mean i I think there are always geopolitical uh, risks associated with technology companies because uh, they've gotten to be big, powerful companies, and governments want to control them, or governments want to have them um, in the case of China they want their own technology sector they want you know they want that engine in their economy, not just manufacturing and so uh you know I think they're they're going after it and they're trying to uh, they're trying to take it and the us obviously is going to resist that particularly if the takings done uh, illegally if you if you're using cyber espionage to steal IP uh, because uh, the companies have realized that they don't want to give you the IP uh, then I think that's uh, you know that should be controlled and that's sh- that's going to be a source of controversy uh, stealing versus protecting so i I don't think that uh, that controversy is going away. And I don't think that that uh, difficulty is going away.
0: Mike, finally, um, what do you think investors should be on the lookout for this year? Are there any big events that might trigger upticks or downturns in the in the technology sector? Or is it all going to be about interest rates and inflation? What do you think?
2: I mean, you know, if I had a crystal ball, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast because I would know uh, what what uh, what would be happening, uh, you know, in the future? But having said that, I mean, I think the, the key remains just kind of this understanding um, the application of for us r- r- remains understanding how companies apply technology to a broader and broader customer set. Um, I think that results in you know, real value creation for these companies. So that's nothing new. I just think that. COVID has just taken that trajectory or the slope of that curve has just steepened. Uh, And I think that's exciting. And yeah, I'm very, you know, I'm concerned about interest rates and and, and it's a, and it's very valid. Um, Having said that, I think you'll continue to just see incredibly innovative companies um, create real value in the market um, as they apply their, their technologies to their you know to their customers and and we've seen we've seen that before and we saw it in spades in COVID so um I know great insights other than you know that's kind of how we look at the world
0: great okay thank you Mike we'll wrap up there um thank you to Walter and Mike for your insights today and thank you to our listeners for tuning in until next time